0: Hi, I'm Grant Wall, and welcome to the Planet Football Podcast, World Cup Daily. Day 10 of World Cup 2018 is done. Brian Strauss and I will be talking about that today as part of our podcast, coming to you daily from Russia through July 16th. Just a small request, it would be a huge help if you subscribe, rate, and review our podcast. It helps people find us. In this episode, I'm also joined by Fernando Fiore, my Fox Sports colleague and the host of World Cup Tonight, every night during the World Cup onward let's bring in Brian Strauss from Nizhny Novgorod Brian how are you I had a better day
1: today Um, I uh, took a walk Um, I uh, saw the monument of electric vitamins Um, I climbed the highest staircase in Russia and then I came back and watched uh, two really really good games Uh, the Mexico uh, win over Korea and then that bonkers nonsense (laughs) we <laughs> well I think we're I mean it was we're minute we're recording this minutes after that ended and I'm I'm still kinda like banging my head against the wall. That was insane.
0: Germany uh, man. Tony Germany. Kroos. He
1: was just a he was just a meat sack for the entire game, wasn't he? <laughs> and then um yeah, that was that was a nice a nice a lot of late goals in this World Cup, a lot of set piece goals in this World Cup, some drama. Um I'm I'm verklempt.
0: I mean, this was not just Germany. This was 10-man Germany after Jerome Boateng was sent off for a second yellow. To save its World Cup. 10-man
1: Germany to save its World Cup. Incredible.
0: Unbelievable stuff. Uh, I mean, they theoretically were mathematically alive if they had tied this game, which is what it looked like was going to happen. But they they would have been basically out. Um, And now they're not. So... You've got a situation now where Germany and Sweden are on three points, Mexico on six points, and Mexico isn't through yet either. I mean, they're going to have to get a result against Sweden in the final game.
1: Yeah, yeah I don't think we can count on uh, Korea to beat Mexico. I mean, sorry, Korea to beat Germany, sorry. <laughs> so, um, so, yeah, it would it would, take some, it would take a loss and some goal difference overhaul there, but, um, but Mexico is not, not out of the woods. But at the same time, I, I am so impressed um, with their mentality I am so impressed with their focus I am so impressed you know I wrote this in my little write-up uh, their ability to not let gamesmanship distract them from the game um, which has always been um, one of the Achilles heels for Mexico um, they're, they're just really professional really organized um, obviously brilliant technically but they, they've often been that in the past but um this team is sort of taking the intangibles to another level. And I think they will get the result they need. Maybe it's just a draw, uh, but I think they're going to find a way to get through.
0: Yeah. I was impressed with Mexico today. Um, I thought they played a different style of game than they played against Germany, uh, which was required. They were going to have more possession of the ball today. And the reason, one of the reasons they got the penalty uh, they did in the first half was because they spent a lot of time in Korea's end. And, I thought the Koreans, with their mass quantity fouling, were borderline dirty today. Uh, yeah, but they,
1: but they, but they. That's what I meant, kind of about the gamesmanship, though. Is that 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 stuff went on? Um, the referee wasn't as hard on Korea as he could have been, and and Mexico didn't retaliate. They right. didn't lose their heads. We've seen them do this before, um, and and the fact that they maintained their composure, um, it, it's just very impressive. And it, this is a different Mexico team under Osorio. Um, it's a different kind of player. Um, I just remember when I did that story and, and sitting down with some of these guys and you know being in the photo shoot with with uh, Chucky and Bela and, and Chicharito. You know, the, 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 this is just a – I can't explain it. It's just they have a different mentality and a different way of approaching things, um, and it's impressive, and it's a big reason why they're in the position they're in.
0: Yeah, by the way, not bad for Sports Illustrated covers to have – uh, Chicharito, Vela, and Chucky Lozano on the cover before the World Cup. All three of those guys have scored now for Mexico. and um,
1: Harry Kane's got a couple goals as well.
0: That is true. Yeah. Mohamed Salah, not so much. Let's leave that part out.
1: <laughs>
0: but um, yeah, I, I really am impressed with Mexico. Um, I think uh, Lozano today I thought was fascinating with how much good defensive work he put in. Uh, yeah,
1: I played early in the first half where he, he came back and backtracked and stopped a sure goal, and I can't remember who it, who it was, but yeah, very impressive, very alert.
0: You know, uh, and just, I feel like Osorio had a game plan for these t- first two games, and it was a good game plan, yep. and I think it was very well executed by the players who deserve a ton of credit. And we haven't yep. seen the defensive mistakes or outright screw ups that we've seen as recently as the Confederations Cup last year from Mexico.
1: Yeah, and, and Son's goal for Korea was outstanding. I mean, there's not you know, oh, yeah, yeah I mean, it was just a, a beautiful shot. Um, but uh, but no, this is a, this is a Mexican team again, just with balance and guys understand their roles. Um, you've got you've got players like Herrera willing to do the dirty work. Uh, you've got players like Chucky willing to come back and defend. Um, Chicharito, uh, you know, they beat Germany, and so it was strange after that game to sort of consider potential criticisms or what could they have done better but Chicharito could have had a couple goals he could have been a bit more efficient or a bit more ruthless uh, in the, you know at the at the tip of the spear sort of and you don't want him in a slump right you're gonna need him uh, to, to, to finish his chances and he did that today so he proved that that was a you know a, a one-time thing he's not in any kind of rut he's he's ready and able and willing to, to finish here And and Get the goals and so that finish again, I think not only is about that moment and that goal But also in the bigger picture saying that every one of these guys seems to be plugged in and ready And that's just not something we've seen from Mexico in the past in the past. It's been Wait for the implosion, you know wait for the mistake wait for the meltdown and I it's just hard to see that happening with this team.
0: Yeah uh, Very much looking forward to seeing how far they can go in this tournament Um, Belgium 5 Tunisia 2 and by the way, when did Americans start saying Tunisia? Because that's all I've been hearing on the broadcast lately, and I love that all the broadcasters, but it's Tunisia. That's how we. That's how we say it.
1: I'm I'm completely baffled by that. I have nothing. I have absolutely nothing. <laughs> yeah. Who is saying that?
0: Guys that I love, so I'm not going to mention their names. All right, no, um, that's,
1: that's disturbing. I'm, I feel like I have bugs on me. <laughs> but. Um, <laughs> Wait, considering this hotel, I probably do.
0: <laughs> but, I mean, I thought Belgium was tremendous fun today. Uh, I think people should keep in mind Belgium has played now Panama and Tunisia, which aren't exactly heavyweights. But, you know, Tunisia actually gave England a pretty good game. This was a wide-open game, uh, totally back and forth, seven goals. The Kaku has two of them. Eden Hazard has two of them. And, and yet I still find myself... Wondering if defensively, uh, Belgium might be in some issues when it takes on tougher teams than Tunisia or Panama.
1: Um, Well, I will see England tomorrow. Um, I'm going to go see their game against Panama. It's the early game uh, of the World Cup here in Nizhny. I can walk across the river to the stadium. Um, And so, yeah, we'll, we'll learn a bit more about, I mean, Panama obviously is, is going to be like Tunisia, right? They're going to be out to, to, you know, defend desperately. Um, And, uh, you know, they're, they're, they're good defensively. They're rugged defensively. So it'll be another good test for England to see if they can, can break down that team and, and, you know, find ways other than just kind of hopeful balls to Kane to, to manufacture some goals. And then, yeah, and then we'll, we'll, we'll see a good European matchup uh, to to decide the group title between Belgium and, and England whenever the hell that game happens. Um, but that's that'll be it for me and Nizhny. I will be uh, returning to Moscow and to our our wall, our podcast wall, <laughs> um, on Monday.
0: <laughs> well, maybe we'll get some more cameos. I just had uh, here at the Fox uh, compound, uh, which is basically a couple of shipping containers stacked on top of each other and all these temporary stairs. And Alexei just walked by. Uh, Gus Hiddink appears to be on a conversation. Um, last night's show was actually pretty fun uh, Gus Hiddink sang uh, with No Fer- way With Fernando on the show uh, Awesome they, they sang Don't Cry For Me Argentina And uh, I remain in a state where I think all of this is surreal That I'm on a show with Gus Hiddink
1: I have never, I have known you for so long uh, Obviously we knew each other well before I, we started working together And now we've worked together for five years And I've never heard you sing yeah, maybe, maybe before this, maybe before this tournament ends, we will be so desperate for <laughs> desperate for podcast content that we will scrape the bottom of that barrel.
0: That's perhaps by design. I'm actually working on a uh, Fox uh, video essay right now, in which I am considering semi-singing to the uh, tune of Seven Nation Army, "Oh, Chucky Lozano," but not really. Do they singing. do that?
1: Do the Mexican fans do that? They do that
0: nonstop. I'm I'm kind of sick of it by now, but like, yeah, that's all that they do in the stadium.
1: (laughs) That's excellent. I hope Jack White is is getting some royalties.
0: He really should be at this point. Uh, I'm literally writing an entire essay about Seven Nation Army and how it's become the soccer anthem. And most of the people around the world who sing it have no idea who the White Stripes are.
1: Oh, really? Well, I guess that's not surprising. Um, well they still call it though they still call the wave the Mexican wave because they saw it at the 86 World Cup even though I
0: think it was invented by college football fans I think, um, I think it was the kingdom I'm gonna start calling it the kingdom wave
1: the Kingdom wave um, well for years and years when teams came out uh, before a World Cup game they would march to that excruciating, Fingernails on a blackboard. <laughs> the anthem that sounded like it was something that would be playing on like a children's carousel <laughs> at a haunted amusement park in Slovenia, you know. And it was just really, really, really bad. And so I guess I'm not unhappy they replaced it. Um, I, you know, the Champions League anthem is great. I like the MLS anthem. I think that's a a, a, a good good little piece of music to get you fired up. Um, I always when I when I used to play. I always used to listen to HooskerDoo uh before games with my Walkman. That was that was what got me got me ready to play. But it's uh, White Stripes is definitely better than um, that awful awful <laughs> FIFA nonsense. Uh, well, it's, yes, it's, it's playing, yeah. and, and they play they play uh, what's it called ACDC. They play uh, Thunderstruck. Yeah. You know, during the warm-ups, it's Thunderstruck, and then it's White Stripes, and those are FIFA's jock James.
0: I like it uh let's end on that note man it's good to talk to you and uh we'll check back in tomorrow
1: that was a a good pun note so we were talking about music that was good great you should be on tv
0: audiobooks are a great sidekick for summer activities like hiking sunbathing on the beach running road tripping enjoying downtime outdoors and more listening is a better way to binge content you love while doing things you love Audible has the largest selection of audiobooks on the planet, which lets you fill your summer with more stories like, say, Masters of Modern Soccer, How the World's Best Play the 21st Century Game. That's my new book. It is out. It is about the craft of soccer, position by position. It's available on Audible. Audible helps you listen to more books by letting you switch seamlessly between devices, picking up exactly where you left off. Whether it's on your phone, through your car, from a tablet, or at home on an Amazon Echo, you can get through tons of books, hands and eyes free, while doing almost anything. Audible members get a credit every month, good for any audiobook in our store, regardless of price, and unused credits roll over to the next month. Didn't like your audiobook? You can exchange it, no questions asked. Plus, your books are yours to keep. With Audible, you can go back and re-listen any even if you cancel your membership. Start a 30-day trial, and your first audiobook is free. Go to audible.com slash football, F-U-T-B-O-L, or text football to 500500. Once again, you can start a 30-day trial, and your first audiobook is free. Go to audible.com slash football, F-U-T-B-O-L, or text football to 500500. You can do it with audiobooks. Big thanks to Brian Strauss. Next up is my interview with Fernando Fiore. Fernando Fiore is uh, a guy I'm really enjoying working with uh, on Fox, and I get to turn the tables now uh, a little (laughs) bit, and he gets to come on my show. Uh, Fernando, thanks so much for joining me.
2: This is uh, such a pleasure, Grant. You know that um, uh, I admire you, the way you handle your craft, the way you... um, Talk to people the way you your work ethics, but much more than that, uh, I like to be around with people that have a smile on their face all the time. Very difficult, especially at these times and on <laughs> time. But uh, being around you is a pleasure, is uh, uplifting, and um, and I and I certainly love that we can work together day in and day out here in the in this adventure of Russia 2018.
0: It's, thank you, thank you. It's
2: uh, It's been and a real... not And I don't give easy compliments. I appreciate Be- believe that. Believe me, I've been tough all my life. <laughs> if I don't have anything to say, if I don't have anything good to say, I don't say it. <laughs> Usually that's my motto. I don't like to put people down. So, you know, the, by the same token, I don't like to give free compliments if they don't deserve it or if I don't really think about it.
0: Well, thank you. Um, and I'll plug our show, World Cup Tonight. Every night of this World Cup It's been so much fun to be a part of it. Fernando is hosting the show. It typically comes out uh, on FS1 and then later on Fox, typically on FS1 at 10 p.m. Eastern and typically at midnight Eastern on Fox. Check your local listings per day, though, uh, on that one. And Fernando, I'm going to start with something that my listeners might not totally understand, why we call you. El Presidente on the
2: show. Why is that? Well, this is a very easy. This is a very easy story to uh, to uh, to share. Uh, uh, before uh, before I joined Fox in 2015, I was working for 25 years in Spanish television. Um, I did a very little time with Telemundo in the beginning, and then I worked 25 years at Univision. Um, when in 1999 uh, we were foreseen that sports will become uh, entertainment first in many cases and, uh, and, uh, and the sport itself will be something that will be surrounded by this, uh, by this new idea. Uh, we decided to create uh, a show that is going to be uh, in Univision every Sunday, uh, an hour show first, and then it was two hours, that it will bring not only the statistics, the plays, the highlights, but also the other side of sports, the human side, of the players, of the refs, of the coaches, and so on. So we would look for the name of the show, and I, you know, instead of putting the usual names, we we put it República Deportiva, sports republic. We mm-hmm. were pretending that we were living in a sports republic, with everything was good, everything was sports, everything was fun, and that's what we were living, you know. And uh, well, every republic needs a president, <laughs> so that was as easy as that. It wasn't actually a lot of uh, a thought about it, but one of the guys who was doing the promos in the very beginning, they said, mm-hmm. "Hey, Fernando, uh, this is a sports republic, República, so we need a president." I said, "Okay," and I was the host of the show, so okay, <laughs> let's. Then the second part, Grant, is that many times you put a nickname to a person, and it doesn't stick. Right, you know, try, you know you know they put you the greatest or they put you uh, uh whatever name you can pick up and uh, uh and and they don't stick with the with the people two days after the very first promo called me the presidente i went to miami beach i will never forget it. i went to miami beach i was trying to get a a table at a famous restaurant mm-hmm. and the maitre d goes oh el presidente is here <laughs> here you have a table and say how this guy already, <laughs> you know, know and uh, and, uh, and adopted the uh, the nickname. So that was it. They stick. Everybody called me the Presidente, and uh, and it's been until it now. Awesome, great story. It's easy story, <laughs>
0: true story. That's the way it is. And what kind of a style did you develop over that many years that you were on Republica Dave Portiva about how you
2: wanted to approach what you do? Well, that's. Way, way before República de Okay, I started in television in 1988. Uh, I moved from Argentina in 1980. Um, back in 1988, uh, 89, 90, I was watching all the all the sports segments on uh, the local newscasts. I was watching the sports shows, and uh, to tell you the truth, everything was very serious. Mm-hmm. And um, and I used to live in New York, and I was a, I was a news anchor in New York at one time in 1989, and. Um, this is how it sounded many times the sports segment in our newscast. Hello, the Knicks won today <laughs> by two. It was a great game. Mind you, in the first segment of the same newscast, when the newscast was delivered, they would say, "Hello, two people were dead today in Brooklyn." So I was thinking, "Wow, so two people dead in Brooklyn sound exactly the same as the Knicks beating. Mm-hmm. the Lakers which will be so much fun and for the fans it will be incredible so you you can feel so sorry for the two people there in Brooklyn but at the same time is the same tone of the people that were crazy about the Knicks beating right, the Lakers right, right. so I said it had to be some other way um so like I said I was working on Spanish television um Spanish television was you know fairly new at that time mm-hmm. uh, although they were running for many years but so I start to say, listen, I'm gonna do sports in a different way, and um, I was crazy enough to take the risk, and the producer didn't know what to do with me, basically. Uh, I remember one of the first telecasts, I was into the the, news, uh, the newscast, and I, it was the Tour de France, and I came in riding a bicycle into the set. <laughs> nobody knew, not the producers, the anchors, nobody knew, I said, what is Fernando, what is Fernando, segment three, two, one, the sports segment, what is he, what is he, three, two, one, hello, and I was riding the bike. It could go either way. It could go like the people who say, this guy is completely nuts and turned off. Or, oh, this guy, had something there. Yeah. And and a stick. And, uh, well, I don't want to say that, you know, that I was a visionary, but, you know, I have to say that I told you so, because entertainment, sports entertainment was, you know, going up every single day. And now you see every single sports show. It had to be some fun. It had to be some... You know, something interesting, some comedy, some... So for me, it was great. Yeah. I, I'm curious to know also... You and were... I respect all the other colleagues who do serious stuff. Of sure, course, sure, I, sure. I, I, and actually, I don't understand how many of my colleagues can remember every single name of every single baseball player and the statistics. Right. When I listen to the radio and I said the guy's talking about, you know, the third the base from the Anaheim. I said, how do you know the name of this guy? How do you know how much he battles? I, you know... The batting, you know, percentage, I say, oh, these guys are fantastic, but that's not me. You right. know, some people can do one thing, some people can do the other thing. Yeah. I, I'm curious
0: to know also, though, working in English, which is what you're doing during this World Cup for Fox, how is that for you, and is it different than working in Spanish?
2: Definitely is is, is different. Uh, when I was a little kid, I... Uh, uh, I hated to learn a new language. I never thought that I was going to use in English in, in any part of my life. I didn't have a good experience in the school that I went when, mm. when I was 10 years old. Um, uh, I was bullied sometimes <laughs> from the other kids because we were not from the same school. We were taking English classes in, a, you know, in an academy that it was not my regular friends. So I never liked the English as a, as a language. But... Then when I came to uh, to US, uh, I said, "Well, I, I need to I need to learn." Uh, I went to Montclair State College at that time, and, and I and I took the classes. But then all my life I was uh, surrounded by by Spanish people, and I worked in Spanish mm-hmm. all my life. I was I in very odd jobs the first eight years of my life in the in in New York and and, and Miami, and then, uh, you know, everything was around Spanish speaking people and. My surrenders, my neighbors, my my neighborhood, my jobs. So when when this uh, when this uh, opportunity came in, I said, "Well, I'm probably gonna sound like Sofia Vergara in Modern Family, but she acts the accent. I don't. This is this is it. This is what I. This is the way I uh, I I talk." Um, and I know my limitations. I know this is the first thing you have to know when you are a broadcaster. Mm. You you know and you have to know your limitations, and and you try to minimize the the mistakes, and you try to to uh, you know compensate with another qualities. And um, uh, I never I never asked for the crossover from the Spanish TV to the general market. I never dream of doing it. So for me, it was a completely you know surprise. Uh, and uh, and I'm doing the best I can, and I try to be the best in my craft. But uh, hey, uh, it is different. It is different. After you work 25 years in Spanish, you're cheap in your brain. Uh, you know, you know, it's in a little short circuit sometimes.
0: Well, it's been a total pleasure working with you in in English. I, I, maybe someday we'll get to work in Spanish together. I, I... Eso sería muy bueno.
2: <laughs> Actually, we sort of do.
0: There's Spanish definitely creeps into our conversations in meetings here. Yeah. Last night on the show, all four of us could have done that show with Moises Munoz and Gus Hiddink in
2: Spanish if we had wanted to and Ex- had the rights to do so. <laughs> yeah, well, that, that's, the other, that's the other thing. So, yeah, I, uh, I you know, for me it was, a, it was a big change. It was a big change and, um, and, uh, and, and I tried to adapt from the beginning. Then, like I say, I tried to compensate with another qualities that many people probably, or, or risk that people don't take when they are you know when they're in TV and, and that was my signature and um and uh well it seems to work because uh Fox is uh pleased the 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 sponsors are pleased, <laughs> and uh and, and the fans are pleased. So yeah.
0: hey um you mentioned Sophia Vergara. I don't know if all of my
2: listeners know your story sort of with her. Yeah well actually her story started with me. <laughs> that, that, that was uh, uh work wise. <laughs> uh, uh, Sofia Vergara, you know, super famous <laughs> in the English market, in the general market with a modern family for 10 years now. Mm-hmm. Uh, but uh, she started with us in 1995. Um, I was about to start a sports entertainment show mm-hmm. in 1995, which was, a, in my opinion, a brilliant idea. I was gonna drive a, um, a motorhome around the United States, going to see different uh, events. Could it be a big event like a Super Bowl, or a small event like a little baseball tournament of kids mm. in Arkansas. That was the idea of the show. I was driving a motorhome around the country and bring those to the, to the fans. Um, then all of a sudden, they have to include Sofia Vergara. The motorhome didn't work, because uh, <laughs> I don't think that uh, that, uh, that would be going so well. So we changed the format, and instead of doing just a sports show, we did a traveling show. We, mm-hmm. we changed it to traveling show. And um, and we spent 40 years going around the world, literally mm-hmm. um, bringing unusual people, unusual stories from around the world. Um, it was in Spanish. It was a huge success. It was way, way, way before Anthony Bourdain. Yeah. And it was a and it was a different approach. Anthony, rest in peace. Uh, great, great journalist. He was uh, doing it uh, more. Towards the the food, obviously, in the beginning, and then mm-hmm. he went for cultural stuff. We were more into the entertainment, comedy, um, and 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 something that were unusual yeah. around the world, and especially finding Spanish people living in Egypt or in uh, Hawaii doing mm-hmm. odd things it was a great show. It was called Fuera de Serie or Out of this World, Out of the League, um, and it, and it worked really well for four years. We went around the world. Uh, we have an incredible experience, but then they decided that we were doing, for the two of us, we were doing only a half an hour show a week, and they uh, they thought that it would be more valuable for Univision to use us in different shows. Hmm. Uh, so they pay us the same, but we do more work, ah. you know, basically. So she got her show, I got my show, República Deportiva, hmm. and um, and that's why we we, uh, we stopped Uh, recording that particular show, but it was a great experience.
0: Would you have predicted that she would go on to do what she's done?
2: Um, You can't, no. You can't say that we were predicting that. Uh, We were always thinking that she was, uh, she was like a little angel, that everything was coming to her. This was kind of a, there there are a lot of beautiful girls on TV, and she was one of them. But uh, but she got some special thing that uh, the things were coming to her. She didn't look for it. She wasn't Mm -hmm. the kind of person that she was trying to, you know to go up in the corporate ladder and and looking for the next gig and look yeah. she was comfortable with what she was doing she was she's a great person she was taking care of her family and and then the things were coming to her and and then you say well things might go well for her of course and yeah. and but it did much more than we can expect it to yeah. be one of the top uh gross you know entertainer in the whole wide world making millions and millions and still being the same person and we still friends and we still Talk to each other every now and then. No, we didn't. We didn't predicted that. No. Amazing. Great um, story though.
0: Yeah. When people watch your show, uh, they see that you have a lot of props. Yeah. How mu- Like how many suitcases full of props do you bring to a tournament like this? Yeah.
2: This, this was uh, this was kind of difficult. Uh, um, I always wanted to have a memento and keep memorabilia with me since the very first. Trip and like I said, I I was lucky enough, fortunate enough to be around the world. So, you know, usually when you travel, even if you do one week vacation a year, you bring a little key ring from Italy, a little, a little paint that Mm -hmm. you buy in the streets of Paris. So people do that. So I'm doing exactly that. The difference is that I've been traveling around the world for so many years, every single week. So uh, the same thing happened with the big events. I wanted to keep my original. Super Bowl pin of 1989, and I still have it. Mm-hmm. I wanted to keep you know, my scarf from 2002 World Cup in Korea, or the ticket stop from my very first game of the Cosmos mm-hmm. uh, in 1980 when Beckenbauer was playing there. So I keep all, I keep all those things, and, uh, and then when you, know, when you go to the World Cup, you bring uh, one big suitcase, another carry-on, another backpack full of <laughs> different things and um and I think that the people like that because they say, "Oh my god, I remember that particular mascot or I remember that game that he yeah. was the or I remember that scarf when the, when he was famous or the, or the you know those things, and so you get close to the people i I'm a fan I'm a fan of the game I'm a fan of the uh, of the sport before anything
0: yeah I, I want to communicate just how impressed I am being around you every day here to see how, one, how hard you work because we're, we have shows every day right. and this is, um, we, we shoot the show very late um, yeah. to the point where it's almost early right. uh, here in Moscow. Um, and yet, after we finish recording this, you're going to literally go to a game here in Moscow yeah. that you don't have to go to, like this is something that you want to do.
2: That's it, this is, um, I would rather go to see a game in the stadium any day rather than watch it on TV. (laughs) And and if you have a luxury and and the chance to do it. And this is exactly what any fan will do. If you ask three million fans that are watching the World Cup right now, and it says, hey, will you (laughs) you go to the stadium to see, uh, I don't know, Belgium, Senegal, or you will watch it on TV, they will go. It Mm. doesn't matter if it's Belgium, Senegal, or if it's uh, Germany, Argentina, or, or, or Brazil, Mexico you want to see the games on the stadium that's what we all love to do and uh, and and you know I'm lucky enough to be able to do it so I do that even if I'm tired even if I then I, you know you sleep three hours less than the, <laughs> that you need but this is the name of the game
0: what so far we're recording this on the 23rd on Saturday uh in this World Cup, what sort of impressions do you have of it? Yeah.
2: Uh, well, first of all, I think that I'm, I'm happy that not even one single game ended in a 0-0. Right. That's something that that is always good. I always look at that because uh, uh, I love to have at least one goal a game. Yeah. Something that it will give a special note to talk about on that particular game. That's that's a given. Then it was only one red card right. uh, so far in the whole game. Uh, that might be some you know, suggestion from above FIFA to the referees to try to keep all the players on the, uh, on the pitch. But uh, even though it was a, it's a lot of um, drama, um, I think that it's a World Cup that it keeps you glued to the TV because of that. Because mm-hmm. something might happen, and not necessarily just a good play or a goal, but uh, something might happen on the pitch that you didn't expect. So all in all, I think that uh, it's not the most brilliant soccer I've I seen in my life. Uh, uh, obviously, over the years, the whole tactics and the whole uh, physical uh, of the game changes so much that when you reach my age, <laughs> that it's, over, it's over 30, no, over 40, no, no, over 50. <laughs> yeah, when you reach uh, my age, over 50, then you saw so much football or soccer in your life then you start to compare and usually they say that if you if i watch you know like last night i watched the the video of campus doing a goal in 1978 it was a completely different football than it is today and uh, and back then somehow for me it was more lyric it was more uh, they weren't they weren't so many uh tackles in the uh, <laughs> in yeah. the area when the corner kicks were coming we I, I don't remember when i was a kid to to see that yeah. to see that Many, you know, uh, tangling <laughs> in the area of dancing. That's something that it came up about maybe ten years ago, mm-hmm. and uh, and the referees didn't know how to stop it. The FIFA didn't know how to stop it from the beginning, and now we see that every corner there is a problem. Yeah. And uh, and uh, until they do something, we're gonna keep doing that. So coming back to your question, I think it's a, it's an interesting uh, World Cup so far in terms of drama, yeah. in terms of um, of stories not only the pitch but outside something like what happened to Messi uh, that we're talking so much about the pressure he has something like Neymar crying after winning one game because these are young people that they're having so much in their hands sometimes that that is not only whatever happened on the pitch is what happened when the game finishes and, and you see Neymar crying and you say what is he crying it's it, it just a victory in a, in a stage group it was so many things around Neymar during the week that he exploded, and then he started to cry. You see Chicharito crying at the end of the game. Yeah, they beat Germany, but it's in a stage group. You didn't win a World Cup mm. yet, but it's getting more emotional, and and that's a good thing.
0: Yeah, and you wouldn't see that emotion necessarily in a group stage of a Champions League game. And
2: No, a World Cup is a different story. World Cup
0: is just a different deal, and, yeah. and to me that suggests that the World Cup still really
2: matters. Of course, Mm -hmm. of course, what are you talking about? Who doubted that? No, the World Cup is every four years, you're looking forward, you're, you know, you, as soon as, as soon as the the World Cup starts, you say, oh please, go slow, go slow, don't don't go so fast, because all of a sudden, now we are, you know, over 20 games, and you say, oh my God, it's gonna be over soon. Uh, No, of course matters. The World Cup is something that, since you're a kid, you are waiting for, for that to come. And, and, and many people always suggest, oh, the World Cup should be every two years. Um, you know, so, so we got a chance. Unfortunately, now that they decided to make 48 teams, I think it's gonna dilute a little bit that expectation because the, the qualification, for example, they're gonna have the same weight. Right. I mean, a lot of teams will go. Uh, actually, if you ask me, now to come to think of it, if you want to make more money, Instead of making 48 teams, I will do 24 teams every 40 years, every two years. Huh. I, will, I would rather see yeah. the FIFA making more money every two years right. than making more money in one tournament, adding more and more teams. Because right. uh, now it's 48. What, they're going to go higher in the near future to get more stadiums, more money, more tickets, more revenue, more broadcasting? Make it every two years. Make it every two years with 24 teams. Hmm. Interesting. Uh, that would be my ideal. If you ran FIFA. <laughs> if I were the presidente of FIFA.
0: <laughs> uh, we're wrapping up here. Really appreciate you taking this much time. Uh, early on in our stay here in Russia, North America, USA, Mexico, Canada was uh, given the right to host World Cup 26. Uh, I see how much energy you have uh, around here covering this tournament. So I I feel very certain you're going to be covering World Cup 26 and beyond. Um, how, what did that mean to you? I saw the video, yeah. of of the moment when you found emotional. out.
2: Uh, Grant, I always tell the story. I um, back in 2010, when uh, when they were announcing the the next two World Cups that it would be eventually 18 and 22, uh, United States was running for the 2022, and and we had a Probably the greatest chance, even though there was there were more countries looking to host the event. Uh, we have a lot of advantages. Back then, in 2010, we already have the stadiums, we already have a, uh, the hotels, we already have the transportation. Everything was ready set up. So we were all thinking that US will be assigned to host the 2022. Uh, I remember back then in Univision they said, "Well, well, we're gonna cover it over," you know, the transmission from from uh, from Switzerland with TV. I said, "No, no, 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 no." I need to go there because this is gonna be the moment that they're gonna say USA, and I want to be present at that time. Yeah. To make the long story short, they didn't want to sell me. I said, well, give me some vacation time. I will pay my own ticket. I will pay, because that's another thing that I always did in my life. You know, I I wasn't expected all the time of my company to pay me to go to these events, because sometimes they are not interested in but." That's why I love them, and that's why I will go on my own. I, I was yeah. going on my own to many tournaments, to many uh, games, to many events. So that was one of the occasions I remember vividly. I said to my bosses, I said, listen, that's okay. Give me a two-week vacation. I'm going to Switzerland. I want to be present. So I have a high expectation. Yeah. I wanted to be the U.S. Uh, of host again. I thought it was going to be the first time around we didn't have a league. So it was a great thing to... Give us power and give us the momentum to create the league two years later. After 1994, 2022, it would be a perfect time to solidify the all the kids that are playing soccer and they have the tournament right there in the backyard. Yeah. So again, I went to Switzerland, and I was uh, I was expecting Mr. Sepp Blatter to open the the envelope. It was a different situation than this one. That there was a vote at that time. They were opening the the envelope, and the name of USA came up. And unfortunately, it came Russia in 2018 and Qatar in 2022. Yeah. I was devastated, mm. uh, along with many people. <laughs> yeah. But I was really sad about it. And uh, and I was waiting this long eight years uh, to finally hear from uh, the president of FIFA that we will have the one in 2026. Um, it's going to be phenomenal. Uh, I was very emotional because I, you know, I didn't, I wasn't hundred percent sure that it's gonna work our way again because right. so many uh, political stances around the world. And, and then when they said Canada, Mexico, and United States are awarded with a workout, I really I felt very emotional. Like Neymar, like Chicharito, I was crying a lot. I, I couldn't believe it. And uh, and I'm and I'm glad. And um, you know, I've been in the United States since 1980. Uh, I saw the folded of the league. Grant, I yeah. never heard that in any place in the world, the whole league will shut down. Yeah. For me, it was unreal in 1993, 84. Then when you get a new league and you get a new perspective, you need big events to make them stay, to make them uh, you know, strong. So I want the football or soccer succeed in the United States and, and, and go step up to the plate to the next level and I think the workout will do that.
0: Yeah, I'm really looking forward to it. Um, if this World Cup is about emotion in many ways to so. this point, I just, uh, I think it's great because that's a, a great match with you. And I see this every day, the joy that you have for, for what you're doing. Thank uh, you very much. And uh, I think it's pretty
2: great. Uh, I'm it's looking genuine, forward to doing it's it. Genuine. I, you know, it's genuine. It's exactly the famous saying in English, what you see yeah. is what you get. Uh, and uh, and, and, and uh, I don't want to change. Uh, You know, I always say that when you have a, when you, you know, when doing this kind of jobs, you are, you know, you, people will like it, people might not, people are indifferent. Um, If I have between, I would say 75, 80% people that (laughs) they like what I'm doing and and 20, 25% of people that hate what I'm doing, uh, I think I'm in the right track. (laughs) And this is exactly what happens happens to me, you know, day in and day out. Uh, I... uh, it's funny because I, I always I always uh, respond in social media and oh by the way at Fernando Fiore <laughs> <laughs> uh, if you want to write to me uh, to Twitter and uh, Fiore Oficial mm-hmm. <laughs> in Instagram um, but uh, it's funny because m- many times I I respond to the people that you know that that make a nasty comment and uh, and and I try to put my point and I say listen you know you think different than me that doesn't mean that. You know that you are wrong and I'm right or vice versa. And you know what is the funny part? That many times, the same people then respond to me and say, oh no, Fernando, we love you. We just say something bad about you because we notice that you only respond to the people that say bad things about you. So I said, God, man, these guys are, this social media is crazy. So then after that, it happened to me about, I would say five, six years ago, Then I start to respond also to the people who said, oh, you are great, oh, we love you, you are the GOAT. I respond to them because I said, God, they deserve also. So now I, I'm trying to respond to every single person and it's so difficult, it's so much time consuming. Right. Um, so, but, uh, but I love it. It's, uh, when I started on television, way before you were born, <laughs> Mr. Grant, uh, we had to wait for, for letters, send them in the email right. from, from, the, yeah, from the viewers to let you know if you were doing something right or something wrong. So maybe it was three, four weeks down the road, you, you, know, you make a, a show or an event, a World Cup, in 1994, and then you will have, like, by December you will get all the letters <laughs> of the fans. They will tell you, oh, we love the coverage of, because the people, you know, were taking so long to write a letter, to get the envelope, yeah. look for the address where to send it to Univision, right. get the stamp, go, go to, the, to the post office. So it, it was so delayed that by the time, and then if you want to respond to them, it was another task. Now it's immediate. Now everything is right there. You finish mm-hmm. saying a sentence on TV, and there are a hundred people telling you something about it in social media. So it's a different, different game.
0: Well, the show is World Cup tonight. You can find it usually at 10 p.m. Eastern on FS1 every night of the tournament, even the off days, and also at usually midnight ET on Fox. Check your local listings. Fernando Fiore, thanks so much for joining
2: me. That was, that was a lot of fun. Thank you very much, and God bless you.
0: Thanks for listening to the Planet Football World Cup Daily Podcast. I'd like to thank Brian Strauss and Fernando Fiore, as well as everyone at Cadence 13 and Sports Illustrated who supports this podcast. Please, if you like the pod, tell your friends, subscribe, like, and review it on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. It really does help the cause if you do. And we'll see you tomorrow.